Danger, just say Spumoni. I don't need Spumoni. This is fine. He's not doing anything. Jackie Boone! Semi pro. Nobody move. I think he left. Where are you, precious? Welcome to episode one of the Bad Movies Worst Opinions podcast, where we believe that everybody has their favorite bad movie. This is an idea that we have had for a while. You know what? We decided to finally do it for our first episode. We've invited Aaron Ladd into the studio. I'm honored. I'm honored that you're here to review one of Rob's favorite bad movies. Love this film. Semi-Pro. <laughs> Semi-Pro with Will Ferrell is going to be our first movie for the Bad Movies Worst Opinions podcast. Rob, what is it about this movie that you just love? I don't know. There's something about Will Ferrell sports movies that just, this one stands out to me. Like, he did, like, Blades of Glory, and he really dominates this sphere, but for some reason, this one just hit for me. Like, me and my friends legit quote this movie to each other a lot, still. Yeah, I didn't find this movie nearly as quotable as Rob found it, but you know what? That's the purpose of this podcast, to talk about it. This movie got a 5.8 on IMDb out of 42 thousand reviews the description on imdb is jackie moon the owner coach player of the aba's flint michigan tropics rallies his teammates to make their nba dreams come true i don't know if he rallied anybody's dreams for their nba not dream to all. come true that did not happen not at all he was probably the least inspiring coach well, he was not player inspiring at all <laughs> but he, ever. he definitely brought in a guy via trade who inspired the team so the ownership group check he did that he brought in woody harrelson no that's fair ed, no. was it ed monix <laughs> yeah no that is true he did not rally his teammates he did as an owner he mm-hmm. then got somebody who then could I, correct does this movie ever explain why they're called the flint tropics it does in the deleted scenes which i li- watched of course, did, okay. of course, all right did my research for this podcast it was originally a fort lauderdale based franchise that when he bought it based off the love me sexy earnings he moved them to flint where he was based and that's why they're the flint tropics okay so, i didn't know why that wasn't included yeah. in it because the entire time i'm watching the movie i'm trying to wonder i've never been to flint michigan Nothing about it seems tropical. I don't know why they're called the Flint, Michigan tropics, but yet here we are. Say, here's your first tropics. fun fact of the day. I got your fun facts. Do you know that every ABA team featured in this movie, except for Flint, is a real ABA team? Every I, single one. I, I actually did know that. I actually did that know that. That was this. in my research package. There you go. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, that's good to hear. See, I knew this because Aaron and I came from the throwback era. So when you were like the Squires, I remember the Dr. J Squires. I remember the St. Louis Spirits. I remember mm-hmm. this is when Fab and all of them were wearing these throwback jerseys back in the early 2000s. They weaved in some history in this one. They and did. That's what made it kind of like maybe it's a mockumentary. Maybe this could be true in a world. That's the fun part about like small town sports is like it kind of has that feel mm-hmm. kind of thing. All right, so the budget for this movie was $55 million. It made 43.9 mm. at the box office. So this was a Lahoo-Zahur at the box office. But it did debut at number one that weekend. Semi-Pro was number one. Vantage Point was number two. I don't know if you've seen Vantage Point. I haven't big seen it in a long time. Big fan of Vantage Point. The Spiderwick Chronicles, one of Aaron's favorite movies. Absolutely. The other Bowling Girl. I've never heard know of this that, movie that a day is. in my life. Seems like a movie, Rob, you would love. And Jumper was fifth that weekend, the weekend that Semi-Pro came out. It's all about going one. I mean, you didn't really break even. You didn't get your money's worth. But you got that number one, that first week top album. That's what artists only care about. That's what studios only care about now. This was during a peak Will Ferrell run. Talladega Nights, Blades mm-hmm. of Glory, Semi-Pro Step Brothers. That's a That's run. That's a run there. It's a Kanye first few albums run. Right <laughs> yeah. Now, the run, yeah. might, the, the run <laughs> might end after Step Brothers, but he had a run there of four very, very strong movies. You can live off those four, though. You can have a very nice home and a very nice life off those four films. doesn't even count that was before. Was mm-hmm. Elf in that? Did you mention No, Elf no, not during this run. Elf's this probably is, in there, yeah. This is from 06 to 08, these four movies. He had, like, one in the middle, The Landlord. Nobody's seen The Landlord, though. Isn't that the... Like comedy college humor thing, where it's like the baby's like the landlord. It's like a little, it's a short. It's not like a true okay, movie. Yeah, yet. I didn't know. I never seen the landlord before. That seems like you're more of a Will Ferrell guy. I'm a, I, I, I'm a big Vince Vaughn guy. You're a big Will Ferrell guy. That's probably fair. What you, what Vince Vaughn is to you is Will Ferrell is to me. Because like I saw Anchorman like in what, 04, 05 ish probably. And then like he started pumping out those hits, and I was always in the theater watching those hits. I would put Jackie Moon up there as one of those recognizable top three or four mm-hmm. characters. Even though it flopped, you're telling me the stats. 
stats or whatever. I mean, you're thinking Will Ferrell. I know he's got a lot of a lot of content, a lot of stuff, but Jackie Moon's got to be up there as one of his most. Memorable I think it's characters. because of the Halloween Halloween costume ability. Because you can still be Jackie Moon today, and people would get that costume. It's not like oh, it's his best character, but there's something iconic about the hair and the jersey and the whole deal. So this movie stars Will Ferrell as Jackie Moon, Woody Harrelson, and Ed Monix. Andre 3000, Andre Benjamin as Clarence Withers did not know his real name in the movie. Then he was downtown Strokem Brown or something. He <laughs> coffee, coffee Black. black. Yeah. Coffee, black. <laughs> coffee Black, which is a great nickname, by the way. And uh, Mara Tyranny as Lynn. That was mm. Ed Monick's love interest. I know her from, oh, that's the mom from Liar Liar. That's the only way I knew who she was. So she was the mom in Liar Liar. The Claw. That's the only reason I knew who she was. Is she in other stuff? I feel like I've seen her in other stuff before, but right. She's liar. the mom from Liar Liar. Liar Liar is correct. Yeah. I kind of forgot how attractive uh, Maura Tierney was. She played movie. a great toxic flame. Nothing like getting <laughs> old, old, old and toxic with that old flame. Actually, her uh-huh. husband's character, was it Rob Corddry, is one of the funniest in the movie to me. He's like, hey, what's up, Monix? I love you, man. Is that her husband or her brother? I thought that was her I brother. Thought, I, thought, I thought that was her like, I boyfriend. I thought that was her boyfriend. Yeah, boyfriend. I, thought that was her boyfriend. I thought that was just her brother. No, no, no that's I like a boyfriend. That was boyfriend. I thought they oh, were together. Oh, yeah. wait yeah, a minute. So this changed the whole thing, dude, didn't no. it? Yeah. Yeah, because remember, whenever we first know that they're into each other, whenever Woody Harrelson's character comes to the door, he comes up there and he says, can you tell your boyfriend? He was like, it would be easier if your boyfriend didn't like me. Mm-hmm. I wish he hated me or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Ah, I was under the interpretation that was her brother, and they lived. The movie together, would have been much creepier. Yeah, 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 he was like on some cuck low. <laughs> <Yeah. Yeah. laughs> wow, this was like naughty America. That's, yeah. what, that's what you thought the movie was. But I mean, it blew your mind. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. That was like brassers over there. But it makes sense. There was so much. Are we cussing on this podcast? Go ahead. I mean, there was so much. We haven't, but go ahead. Oh god, <laughs> there was so much dick and ball humor in this damn oh, movie yeah. that it was like uh, you didn't know which way was up at a certain point. So at that point, I thought that was I thought that was her brother. I really did. Y'all are teaching me something here. <laughs> All right, let me let me kick the podcast off with the with my first hot take of this movie. Okay, this movie would have been better if Will Ferrell wasn't in it. Ooh. Who would you have had as Jackie Moon? Do you I have think, a replacement? I think there. I don't think that he was one of the five funniest people in the movie. I think there was enough hum, mm. enough humor outside of Jackie Moon's character that just the story of. Woody Harrelson rode the bench, tries to coach this like hapless team. Every time I thought the movie was like, oh, okay, this is good. Like they got the locker room scene where him and Andre 3000 go back and forth and he's telling them you'll never win playing your way. Of course, Will Ferrell would then pop in with some nonsense. I actually think if you eliminate Jackie Moon's character, I think the movie's better. I get what you're saying. Defender boy. I get, I get the concept of what you're saying because I think like the funniest scenes actually are Jackie in the background or ancillary. Like the scene where they're all playing poker and he's like, what would you call me? Uh, we all called you a cocksucker. That's what he, like <laughs> that scene is hilarious and he's not the central figure. Father, Pat, like all the like the ancillary characters are funny, but you need that central go to guy because I think if you take Jackie out, it gets a little too serious. And, like you need the pure. Okay. This is a comedy moment with Will Ferrell. Like, in the locker room scene, yes, he does pop up out of nowhere, but the ELE comment and the, hey, if you see a, was it a raccoon or a squirrel or something, it's not a pet. Do not keep it. Do not feed it. Like, little quick hits like that make him worth it to me. Will Ferrell is a, I wouldn't say an acquired taste, but he can be overbearing at times. That's fair. Sometimes in a movie. And I think what made this movie good, and you kind of pointed it out, they had to dilute a little, a little bit. Everybody else had their own parts mm-hmm. and their own moments, and even a little bit of a storyline or character development enough where it diluted just the pure bluntness of Will Ferrell doing the physical comedy or like him just being a jackass in general. Yes, you needed to have that because it was him as the front facing guy, but the story was strong enough to your point and the other characters were strong enough to where we weren't just overbearingly hit with Will Ferrell after Will Ferrell after Will Ferrell. It, well, it was different than like Talladega Nights in that regard. Now, Talladega Nights is Will Ferrell's front facing. Will is everything in that movie. Not that the other guys yeah. are. But like you don't really get much of the Michael Duncan Clark character in that one. This one, like those small characters are funnier in their own moments. But I still think you need that central Will figure type Will Ferrell type figure. All right, so the movie starts with us hearing Love Me Sexy for the first of seven times. I, it's a lot. That was a choice. I, that hit me right away. I could not believe they started the movie with 
with him whispering into I don't, your ears. I don't mind. It was from the start of the beat. You know how they say the baby starts from the, the beat even goes mm-hmm. off? That's I how actually, it was. I actually laughed the first time I heard it. Toward the end of the movie, it, the song was not funny anymore. The first time I was like, oh, okay, this is kind of funny. This is kind of catchy. Then I heard it six more times over the course of the film. Yeah, they definitely overdo it, but I think it's hilarious the first time because it's the first, not the opening opening scenes when he goes to his club and like he gets in the DJ booth and he's like, turn this off. All right, guys, love me sexy. And the whole crowd's like, oh, here we go. <laughs> I think that's the bit. It's like the whole city was over the songs. They play it so much that you as a viewer become the same way. Like, I'm over this song. I hate this song. It's like there's probably a song we all like. You're like, oh, when that song came out, I loved it. And now you hear it. You're like, never play this again. For you, it's Return of the Mac. I know that's how you feel about Return of the Mac. Oh, come I on. bet there was a time in your life you liked Return of the Mac. It's the same concept. You know what? I'm actually kind of turning back around where I like Return of the wow. Mac. Wow. Pony, oh, Pony is the song for me. Okay, like, why go. am I? Why is Pony playing right now? No one hears Pony and has a good time. No one enjoys hearing Pony anymore. Yeah, by Usher for me. Ever since you said that was PL music, I can't, I can't <laughs> that, get that out of my, P, out of my head. All the PL songs are this for everyone. There's always a song where you're like, oh, this is back on. Here we go again. Yeah, no, that's, uh, you know, Westport and PL have a certain playlist. And yeah, is whenever you hear yeah at the club, it's time to go. That is time for you to call your Uber. That's time for you to call your designated driver. It's time for you to leave the moment the DJ starts to play Yeah by Usher. You're out of those places pretty early then. They, they, <laughs> they hit that at 1230. That's like peak time. This actually leads to my first question about the movie. Who has better announcers? Is it Dodgeball or Semi-Pro? I think it's Semi-Pro because they're highlighted more. And I also think Will Arnett is spectacular in this movie. The part where... I think it's the first game where he's like, and I'm a consummate professional, and he's like, do you mind putting out your cigarette? No, 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 I like to smoke when I drink. <laughs> it's absolutely hilarious to me. And, like, the coaches show stuff. It- Tropics Weekly, I'm joined by owner, player, coach, Jackie Moon. Jackie, it is always an honor when you can drop by. Always enjoy our time together, Dick Pepper. <laughs> Dick Pepper Field, actually. It is all, I think those announcers are funnier because they're more focal. That's why, like, it's kind of a backdrop in dodgeball. These guys are hilarious, and their point is to be funny. They're central to the to the movie in yeah. this one. Like the Tropics Weekly, it gets you from point A to point B in the movie, or it helps escalate the storyline. I thought Pepperfield. I mean, you're ragging on his wife pretty much every oh, single <laughs> every single chance you get, but we never see her. I thought that was one of the good funny the good funny parts of the movie is like everybody's plowed his wife, but we've never seen this woman before. To your point about this, like this is very front facing with like dick jokes. The point where he's like, "Oh, I know for a fact, Miss Pepperfield prefers a smaller." Penis. Oh boy, here we go. It's absolutely a hilarious scene to me. I actually wanted more of the announcers in this movie. I'd mm-hmm. have been happier if I got more announcers. This goes to my point that I think the movie would have been better if Jackie mm-hmm. Moon wasn't in the movie. If the movie was about the relationship between Woody Harrelson's character and the love interest and him falling in love in basketball again, and we get more announcers, we get more Andre 3000, I think the movie could have held up like that. I actually wanted more of the announcers. I wanted more Tropics Weekly. I wanted their bits to be longer. I thought they were, I, I think that their back and forth was the funniest part about this movie. This made me yearn for a time when, you know, journalists had access to the team. <laughs> uh, I'm watching them play poker. I'm like, is Mitch playing poker with the Hunts on, on the weekend sometimes? Like, he might be. Mitch, Mitch holds no, his mic. Holders might be connected. playing poker with the hunts. You might not be playing poker with the hunts. <laughs> There's levels but to he it. He might yeah. be playing poker with them. I also like the announcer scene where like they're in, I think it's St. Louis, and he's like, and the end of the game is inconclusive after Father <laughs> Pat says, Maybe she didn't go to heaven. Like, you're right. The announcers are hilarious. Like, I get your point about Will Ferrell, but another character, you probably bring him up eventually. Andy Richter's character doesn't work without Will Ferrell, though. The son father you know the son brother so figure yeah. <laughs> andre 3000 is late to the game you talk about the aba we get the historical george gervin is sitting at the table or do mm-hmm. we know the other two guys i know george gervin is at the table i'm assuming those other two guys played in the aba no clue who they are i missed I, that I, I say my fun facts was george gervin's at the table he's yeah. like the, the ice man's the noble one because they're playing like like the big rivals the spurs later that's why it's a big deal he's at the table so yeah, yeah and you also needed an old aba guy to make mm-hmm. an appearance in the movie the ice man shows up and makes an appearance we also get the aunt from the jamie fox show I was very happy to see the aunt from Patty Earth. LaBelle was in this movie. You know, they got Patty LaBelle to like descend down from heaven. Like She also out. invented the alley-oop. I also yes, want to point is. that out that Patty LaBelle invented the alley-oop. Do we think Quincy's barbecue is good? Where Andre 3000 is working, and I think that's his mom's place. Do we think that Quincy's barbecue is good? You can't have good barbecue in Flint, Michigan. Yeah. I refuse to believe that they have good barbecue in Flint, Michigan. Taking shots at Flint, Michigan in, in episode number one. That, <laughs> I that's just how you get started. You're telling me you think they got good BBQ down there? You telling me I've you never think had they it. got good I've rib tips? 
<laughs> you think they got good burn-ins in Flint, Michigan? I'm betting against it. I would bet against Flint being a barbecue mecca. That's my that's my hunch. That's my thought. I would also guess that this fictional barbecue place might be the only barbecue place in Flint, <laughs> yeah, Michigan. The only one in town. They might have one competitor. A famous Dave's or a chain or <laughs> Yo, something. it's definitely a chain. 100% a chain. This is the part about the movie that I actually was happy over the course of the movie, they kept having failed promotions, like the ten thousand yes. dollar check, the guy who doesn't have a shirt, the corn dog. He has some weird spaz. I don't know what happened with him, where he almost passes out there on the court, and then magically out of nowhere, he hits more threes than than we've seen Russell Westbrook hit this season. Alex. He then Oof. he Oof. then makes a three, and now they owe him ten thousand dollars. I was wondering the entire movie, when are they going to resolve this, that he has not paid this man his money? It finally paid itself off at the end of the movie. But this was the first of the Flint Tropics keep having promotions that in no way they can cash in on. They had to get the 2,000 fans in the stands. We know all the gimmicks and all the hoops they had to jump through to try and play into the merger. But that that is small town. That is small town sports. I was watching this movie. Could help but think about my time in Myrtle Beach. You go to a small minor league games out there. Miley base. There's, this is Miley there's always so, there's always a promotion, right? It's penny beer night, or it's like. But they at least have the penny beers, though. Like, at least when you go so up there and you get the beer, they at least have it. They have free oh, corn dogs, and then Jackie Moon is out here looking like Rudy Gobert. It's all smoking trying to mirrors. block the shots here, so it's, guys can't get their brews. Also, you mentioned you talk about circling back to like a promotion slash you know early scene. We get our Sadakis cameo in one of the funniest little moments. He's like, "Where'd you get?" Those nachos brought them from home. I can do whatever the hell I want. I'm a season ticket holder. Walks over and punts them. That I don't know why that scene is hilarious to me, but it just shows like he is a terrible businessman. So all these failed promotions is really funny to me because he keeps trying and keeps not working. I think secretly more owners are closer to Jackie Moon status than we really know. No, yeah, that's oh, yeah. I mean, that's fair. Like you talked about this the other day on the show, you were like, "Hey, why are the Krispy Kreme twelve donut twelve hits donuts thing going away from the, the Royals?" Krispy Kreme donuts. Do you, think John, do you think John Sherman and Krispy Kreme want to pump out free stuff for you guys? Absolutely. <laughs> no. You think those owners are pumped when the half court shot? That's why the numbers started to come down. Like it actually is. I think like ten grand now if you hit a half court shot. They got tired of hitting. That's 10 not. Yeah, yeah, that's not. That's not that much. The really. insurance is the pay. Is Jackie Moon really a good promoter? Because up until the league was potentially about to fold, that 91 people at the game. Is he a good promoter? I don't know if he's a really good promoter. Like, Because part of being a promoter is getting people to attend the games. They couldn't get 2,000 people in the stands until he was going to wrestle Cocaine Bear. Well, they started winning. They started winning yeah. as well, too. That, that they started playing in. basketball. That started, having, started running <laughs> I mean, I think that's the thing, thing with all sports. We can all talk about, like, oh, they had the best promotion ever. Yeah. But until you win at any level, no one shows up to your games. like it's, So I think he can be a fine promoter to get 91 in to watch that trash team play up until Monik showed up. Please don't disrespect Buck Knight. Buck Knight held us down for decades. Yeah, but Buck Knight only got a a blip. The Royals 2015 <laughs> run got you there on Tuesday. <laughs> Buck fair. Knight wasn't getting was only getting you there once a week in 2001. Maybe. Yeah. Who do you think Andre 3000 plays like? So this is the first time that we get a chance to see Andre 3000 play for the first time. And it is dribble, 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 dribble. And then he finally takes a three and makes a three. We only get to see Andre 3000 play basketball two times in the entire movie, but he's such a good basketball player. The first time that you see him play, who does this game remind you of? God, who's who's an ISO ball? Carmelo. No, huh. oh, he's mellow. We put we, we put mellow king of, on, on king three of the stats. ISO ball. He wants to see his own shot go in. He's not passing under any circumstances. Yeah, he's mellow. He reminds me of Scoot Henderson or one of these <laughs> like new era guys. Because when Monix and him have that initial go at each other in the locker room, he says, "Look, you're going to realize one day you never even learned how to play basketball. You're kind of this ISO guy who's good at handles and can whatever, but you're not a team player. You don't." And I always see Scoot Henderson just an ISO. You know what, at first when I saw him play, I saw a lot of Austin Rivers in his game. Mm. I saw a lot of Austin Rivers in Coffee Black. That's who he reminded like, me of. Like uh, Winter Park Austin Rivers, where he <laughs> yeah, where was all yeah, the house of highlights. Yeah, 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 yeah you're yeah, like, man, was, this guy's a, hooping these, you know, insurance agents. That's what he's doing down there. Yeah, no, he had a lot of uh, Austin Rivers in his game. All right, the team meets at the nightclub. We get to hear the same song again. Uh, Jackie then has a meeting with the uh, ABA owners and tells the team that, 
You know what? We can merge into the NBA. Four teams could possibly merge. The Tropics will not be one of them, but we got to have a vote. My note is on the team meeting at the club, and this is just a message to all athletes in general. Please shower after the game before you go to the club. We see y'all. We know we notice y'all. Like <laughs> when the Chiefs went right from the locker room to the party after, like Jackie Moon had the ice bags on his legs in the club. I'm like, bro, take the tape off. That's all I had to say about that scene. The club scene, I mean, the club scene's fine to me. It's like, guys, we're gonna be in the NBA. The actual ABA NBA merger scene with David Keckner, Casey shout out, is really fine to me because he's like, I will fight you in the parking lot. This guy <laughs> plays power forward for his team. They're like, no, this we gotta do this based on merit. And everyone's like, shut. Shut up, shut up, Jackie. That is how I imagine small-time merger meetings went. Shut up, I'm in charge. Even in a comedy movie where everything's made up, the league meetings are all white and, and male. I mean, it was the 70s. <laughs> oh, yeah, we were trying to be historically accurate in that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think the Pacers had a black owner in 1972. Yeah. I don't know if they had one back in I'm Ben against the Kentucky Colonels had an African-American as owner. I'm just playing the odds. I don't think Shad Khan would have been able to get a franchise in 77. I'm playing the odds. I was just happy that the players were mostly black in this. They, they, they could have really cheated us there. We, they could have been miscast. I was happy that we got a nice D-Ray Davis with a nice fro signing here. He was very part, happy. He was part of that great supporting I, I mean there were so many you mentioned Arnett but I mean we can go further down the list I actually think the D-Ray, cast of this Sudeikis, was pretty good LaBelle, Ed Helms too oh Ed Helms have a cameo yeah, at the end like, yeah there were so many good supporters Tim Meadows had the one case like just wait until I get my jump shot back I've told you a million times you are not on the team <laughs> job turkey job turkey does seem like something like in 1972 if you call me a job turkey we got to square up Pretty sure that you called me a jive turkey. No, no, now Lou, nobody called anyone a JT. Jive turkey is a little over the line, my man. Look, wasn't that supposed to be like a Goodfellas flip? Did I did I read that wrong? Has anybody seen Goodfellas here? Oh, where like, he like shoots the guy. Yeah, everybody's and, uh, seen yeah. Goodfellas. Well, yeah, I'm just, I'm just making sure. sure. What what you mean one of the greatest movies ever made? Yeah, no. <laughs> I've also seen sure. Shawshank. Just a heads up. <laughs> I just want to point out that we have started a movie podcast. He's like, hey, have you guys seen Forrest Gump? Yes, we've all seen Forrest Gump before. <laughs> but I thought that scene was supposed to be the Goodfellas flip, basically. <laughs> I mean, there's an element of that too, but like the gunshot. And, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I could see it. I. I mean, I get it, but you're, I don't know if they were doing it on purpose, but I yeah, could see no. it. I mean, I get now, yeah, now I was thinking, but I actually thought you were talking about the do I amuse you? Were you a clown when he got mad? He called him a clown. No, 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 no. And Michael Raspoli is the one that gets shot in the foot. <laughs> Woody Harrelson is introduced when Moon tells the team that they got a shot to go to the league. Woody Harrelson gets traded for a washing machine. Washing machine. Such an amazing comment. That's literally, I think that's an ode to the bag of balls thing in baseball. There was once a yeah. dude who traded for a literal bag of balls. I think that's the bit. It's like he traded for a washing machine. And the press conference he has, he goes, it was a good washing machine. Always got our clothes clean is amazing. Is that a good trade if you don't get the dryer, though? Wow. Is that a good trade? You need both, though. They kind of go hand in hand. You got to think very little of Ed Monix if you just want the <laughs> singular washer and you yeah, feel good about yeah, it. Yeah, like... You got to get both. It seems like a combo deal. Like, you can't have the carrots without the peas. Like, no. you need both of them together. You can't have the Kool-Aid without the sugar. Washing machines you can have for, like, 25 years to 30 years. Like, washing machines. That dryer is going to break. <laughs> Real. <laughs> Maybe they had a dryer, and that's why they needed the new washing machine. Oh, okay. So they already had the dryer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ooh, I like the way you're thinking there. I like the Man, way you're thinking. That's, that's what I would imagine. Or you wouldn't trade for both. I then have specifically down in my notes, the mom from Liar Liar appears in the movie and has a love thing with Billy Hoyle. But we never even see them together. Like that, this, I'm going to go back to the to the brother thing. We never see them together. Yeah, I mean they live together, and he says the boyfriend line, and he's like, "I really prefer if you hate it, me." Like that. That's the there's a boyfriend line, and they live. I, I didn't. I never thought brother, not once. Yeah, I don't know where you got the brother. I thing absolutely from. thought brother the whole time because we never saw them intimate. He's like a big basketball fan, and he likes Monix and whatever, whatever. But. I never really, it, nothing about their dynamic screamed. That's we the, the reason I, I'm, I'm willing to ride with you on this, even though they answered the question in the movie is, <laughs> this man is like openly hitting on your gal, and you just are not paying yeah. attention and not noticing. Like, it is very obvious to everybody that Ed Monix is interested in your girlfriend. He didn't have any kind of like territorial jealousy vibe. Mm-hmm. He was with it. He came back in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was with it. He was with it. I mean, I, I, I get that, but I feel like they addressed it pretty quickly. No, when the, the first time I came to the door. I can't imagine watching the movie and then the entire time thinking that that's her brother. Like, I really, that, my whole uh, feeling on the movie would be very different if, <laughs> yeah. if I had thought that the entire time. 
I mean, I guess you wouldn't have found it as funny because, like, it's not nearly as good of a bit if it's not a boyfriend or a significant other. Y'all are blowing my mind. <laughs> That's what we're here to do. Uh, the bus ride, they're uh, riding on the way to the game. How did that song about short people, how was that able to live? That is a real song. They play that song in Little Rascals. How is that short people got no reason? How is that a real li- This song was on the radio? People would listen to this. When you were riding to pick up your girl to go to Winstead's, you were listening to short people got no reason to live. That's what people were doing in 1973. I have like we've kind of discussed with the ownership thing. 1973 was a very different time. People got, you had to be thinking the same thing I'm thinking. When they're playing that short people got, you had to be thinking, how is this a song? Monix has big Pat Bev energy when he first gets <laughs> yeah, introduced. Like mm-hmm. when he gets introduced in the locker room, everybody's like, "Really? Mm-hmm. This guy?" They all have their own story about running into fighting him along him. the league, <laughs> but then eventually they come to respect him and realize what value he adds to the tropic. He, he kind does. of in a way reminds me of a Kevin Costner's character from Bull Durham because he's been to the show and I was like, "What's the show like?" Mm-hmm. Ed Monix played with the Celtics, like. What is it like? He's like they, like, it is the best. He's like telling stories about like how you get to fly as opposed to ride a, a little bus. Like he, that's like Kevin Costner, Bull Durham was what I thought of when they first introduced Monix on the bus. He did have a lot of AJ Przinsky vibes, like a lot of AJ Przinsky, Pat Bev vibes for him. That's a good point about the Crash Davis thing. I did mm-hmm. think like the part in the bus that wasn't identical to the scene in Bull Durham, but when they're asking the same him, concept. hey, what was the show like? And then he's in the back and he's telling the stories about it. It mm-hmm. did have a lot of those same thing, but then Andre 3000 hates him for the fact that he was in the NBA. Even if he didn't play like, bro, you're playing in front of 75 people. My man at least got to run with Bill Russell. He got to play with the Celtics, got to play with Tommy Heinsohn back in the day. They should have established that. I mean, obviously we know what the IMDB rating is and mm-hmm. why it is that. But why we're doing it on this podcast. There was a couple of things they didn't establish. I don't think they established Monix's real trauma enough. Like, why was he so grumpy? Yes, he has a bad knee. Yes, he bounced around and never really played with the Celtics. But where was the heart of that trauma coming from? We could have dug a little bit deeper on that. And then why did Coffee Black just hate him right off the uh, off the jump? Like, was there a fight? Was there a specific instance? What was the true heart of their issue other than the fact that he thought that he was big-timing him when he first came? I out? think they dipped their toe in that water. I, they could do more, but I just always felt like it was jealousy from Coffee Black. Mm. And the fact that, like, this dude was in the league, but he's a scrub. He's a bum. He just rode the bench, got a title. I'm actually good, and I don't get a chance. I think it was, I think it was jealousy. But you're right. If they had really dealt into it deeper they could have done it fun and different but i also think you're not a long movie guy this is like 92 minutes oh, so perfect. you don't yeah. you don't need to overdo <laughs> anything yeah, yeah. so like could they have added 10 minutes of why those two hate each other probably would they would that have been a scene where you're like oh man how dynamic probably not exactly I thought that Woody Harrelson had a lot of Jerry West from Winning Time vibes <laughs> very much a so. lot of yeah. Jerry West from Winning Time <laughs> vibes just like very angsty for absolutely no reason for most of the movie but in the end i think Edmonis becomes a very likable character toward the end of the movie Part of that's the girl. Mm-hmm. 100% of it is the girl. Part of that's the girl. She was at the game. She was in the stands. You know, when you get back with that toxic love and y'all hit y'all, <laughs> y'all streak again, you know, it feels comfortable. It feels I think, good. I think he also came to grips with the fact that it's over for me. Kind of the same as like Crash Davis and Bull Durham. Crash Davis knows that he's he's flaming out. It's over. He's a quadruple A player. Goodbye. Ed Monix kind of accepts that reality once he's traded for, to quote him, a fucking washing machine. So I think that he now knows that it's over. So I can be, hey, I'm just going to teach the next generation. I'm going to be the Chad Henney, if you will. I'm going to make mm. sure the quarterback room is strong. I know I'm not playing anymore it's done for me that's when he like makes that shift eyeliner scene you giving it a thumbs up or a thumbs down it looks like jackie moon has brought a trick from broadway to the court tonight Want to no return go back go back Hush in the trailer nowhere to go hey look at my ass don't look at my ass it's Are we counting the fight as part of the eyeliner? Yeah, scene? that all counts. Okay. The whole thing is a thumbs down for me. Really? Yeah, it was This is actually the scene I would cut. I would cut the scene. I didn't find this scene very funny. It was one of those, my bad. It, it was one of those Will Ferrell's the star of this movie, so we have to give Will Ferrell a layup type scene. Mm-hmm. We'll give him the physical comedy where he's writhing around on the ground and then people fight and then we move on to the next part. I like the scene because it like a little bit of a callback to the ABA, the owner's meeting where he's like, all right, they like, keep changing the rules to try to screw Flint, like, which I could have seen actually happen if they're like, hey, we're trying to screw Flint or trying to screw the, you know, St. Louis, whatever, spirits out of the league. They want these three. They keep changing the rules on them. One of the rules is no more fighting, which clearly this team who has fought Monix the entire time was going to struggle with. I like that we got to see that fight. And I like that it was like, 
They snuck it in during commercial break. The actual eyeliner itself is stupid, but the idea of the fight is really funny to me. I thought the funniest thing about the fight was when the Will Arnett character hit the guy in the head with the phone. That mm-hmm. was the part that I laughed the most. That part was pretty funny to me. I didn't like the fight scene or the bear scene just because it was too, hey, insert laugh here type thing. Yeah, like, that's it, what I was saying. Was I think the no... movie would have been good without Will Ferrell because, like, yeah. up until that point, like, with the bear, I thought the movie had good energy. And it's like, oh, wait, now he's going to fight this bear. <laughs> like, like, why is this Why is this scene in here? Like, I, him jumping the cheerleaders, I thought, was more realistic to the character they, mm-hmm. they were trying to perfect portray than like the bear scene i mean i i guess it but it was just too blunt it was too front facing it was it was, it, was it did hit in the face of it but to your point if you like the idea that like hey they're doing all these bad promotions minor league baseball vibes bear fighting would really it'd be <laughs> is the funniest element of that and by the way more fun facts so when they were literally shooting promos for the movie the movie's done being like filmed da, da, da. that bear and the stuntman had an incident where the bear killed the stuntman. They were shooting promos for that movie in 2008, and that bear, Rocky was the name of the bear, not in the movie, but in real life, and it killed the stuntman. That bear, the bear's done. That's that, the end that of the bear's, bear's career, done. right? <laughs> the bear got put down. Yeah. The bear got put down. It does not go on to see movie. what happens to the bear, but I think we know the bear doesn't get to live a happy life now. I mean, we couldn't have CGI'd him fighting a bear in this. We had to use an actual living, real grizzly bear. I mean, that's what we had to do. Fighting is loose term. He kind of just bounces around and smacks him once. They're telling me that Will Ferrell was really smacking a bear in real life. That's what they want me to believe. I mean, I think his stunt double was messing around with what was a play bear, but then the bear shooting promos was done at his bear kennel being played with. And then the the bear turned around and then just started eating motherfuckers is what you're telling me. I think he probably mauled him to death. (laughs) He started eating people. I was under the interpretation that stuntmen kind of had it down. That we like, you know, accidents happen, but it was like an accident certainly happened. Yeah, an accident happened in this uh, this scenario. It's been the bear scene. I liked the bear scene only because of Coffee Black is the ref in the fight and the Kristen Wiig cameo. To your point about Will Ferrell not being the star of scenes, he's kind of too front-facing that scene. I get it's very blunt Will Ferrell comedy, but when he like walks over and the bear grouse like, Spumoni, I'm done and Coffee Black's like, no, 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 Jackie, you gotta fight that bear. That's the funnier part to me. And then Kristen Wiig's character's like, I've been mostly with cats. <laughs> it's really funny to me. It needed help. It needed help. It, yeah. It, it just needed some help. Yeah. That, that's where I'm, I'm docking some points. Jackie has his wife come into the locker room for a little showgirls. Woody Harrelson then tells Andre 3000 that he's trash and that he'll never be a winner in the league. Jackie then learns that he has been replaced as the head coach while they're doing some kind of elementary school dance pageant. It had very much Fresh Prince of Bel-Air vibes where he's the big sunflower yeah. and all these other sunflowers. They're all like starfish or whatever. Yeah, it doesn't Flamingos, make anything. Yeah, yeah Flamingo, yeah. yeah. This is another scene that I would potentially cut. The punch him in the jejunum scene. Don't think we needed it. Don't think we needed it. The montage that came with Monix becoming the coach was just classic chuggy old movie where mm-hmm. like he whips them into shape and they run around the town and now they're a winning basketball I actually, team. Actually, I, I love that montage in a movie though. I like that yeah. montage. In the a movie. montage I'd keep. I could see the actual scene where he like throws up being tossed. It's like the throwing up thing does add nothing to the movie, but I do like the montage scene. He's like, I'm just gonna float around, do whatever. No, Jackie, run the play. <laughs> It came back in the end with them run the throw on yeah. at the end, and they worked it in. Mm. It, it is that is that your cut? Is anybody cutting that? I think it's just kind of part of the sports movie. Yeah, like, it's part of the sports movie. We cliche. go back to the play we know, but yeah. yeah, and they kind of made fun of it in a way. I didn't hate it. Yeah, I just at the end where they're like alone, and then he tells him he's never thrown up before, and then he punches him, and then he's like, I that that I could have done without that part. Are you proposing if you don't 100% know the answer? So Woody Harrelson outside gets down on one knee and says, marry me, I'm crazy about you. Her brother slash boyfriend in this situation <laughs> is then looking outside. He's like, yeah, hey, I'll go get you some Ben Gay in this situation. I mean, talk about a half-court shot. Woody Harrelson, you can't propose admonics if you're not 100% certain when she's going to play. Sure, you might get back in a relationship with her. She's not. You just popped up in Flint, Michigan three weeks ago. You're not getting, you're not getting engaged. Yeah, I, it's a massive risk to propose there. I think I get what he's trying to do, like the big show. Like, see, I'm back and I'm different. But in real life, you have to like eat. I, I could see the girl being like, you ditched me for this you know, dream and you you're an NBA journeyman. You can't just pop back in my life and we're good now. That's not I mean, proposal is a too big of a show there. When you're in that toxic love, you just say things <laughs> you don't mean sometimes. I mean, 
you know, two weeks later they break up. I wouldn't be surprised if they broke up at the end of the movie. I love how they kind of left it open. <laughs> yeah, they kiss, oh, it could go but, anywhere. It could go they anywhere. Kiss, but like literally, I mean that. Didn't mean anything for real. <laughs> no, it a hundred percent could go anywhere uh, in the movie. So I have yeah. Woody Harrelson proposed seemingly out of no nowhere, and this is where I'm like, your boyfriend no point just notices. Yo, this dude is trying to get with my girl. Like, there's no conflict between That's, these. I two. even have in my notes, brother is wild for that. After, <laughs> like, after he walks back in after the Bengay for getting his wallet and sees his girl sister getting like, he is. Obviously, diddling himself under the table, mm -hmm. right? So I or mean, he started. Like, he's beginning you know, he's, the process. He's starting to before they find out why are you why are you still here, and they now see what you're, he's doing. I'm just saying, if you are walking into a room and you hear a sexual moaning coming from there, you got either one or two. Either turn back around, like on that movie, nothing to lose, or you go in there, you whoop some ass in the situation. Especially if it's your your girl, you're not walking out. And he like, picked well, the unknown. He picked the. I was not expecting him to sit down and start doing that. That was probably one of the scenes I would consider cutting because, mm. like, I'm, it's not my cut. It's one I would consider. It was on the list, though, because I was like, that's just too much. The bit is funny where, like, the boyfriend doesn't see that Monix sitting on her and the girl Clay still likes Monix. That's funny. But now we go too far with his Monix love, the point he starts touching himself. I'm like, it was on my list of cuttable scenes. I was just going to make this point. You made the Bull Durham reference earlier. The whole love interest between Ed Monix and the mom from Liar Liar has very much major league vibes with the catcher mm -hmm. and Jake Taylor and yeah, 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 Rene Russo. It has it has very much major league vibes. They, they, Guy they, comes back into her life. Hey, I was crazy about you. I was cheating with the stewardess. It definitely has major league vibes. That's up there for possibly my quote of the film when they're in the locker room and he's like, "I only cheated on you once." There just happened to be two girls there. <laughs> like that is. That is an all timer for telling a girl that you're coming back into your life and like reminding her of. That is actually a really funny <laughs> one quote. I had forgotten that one until I watched the movie again. So great. The commissioner shows up and tells the Tropics that they're not going to the league. The commissioner clearly kept changing the rules 17 yeah. times. The Tropics were never going to go to the ABA. I don't know how Jackie doesn't know this. I don't know how the rest of the team knows it. I think it shows, like, real quick, I think that shows, like, part of the bit. Jackie does a lot of stuff. He doesn't do any of it well, though. That's, like, the fun of it. Like, he had Love Me Sexy, which is a one-hit wonder. He had the ownership group. He never knew that they were screwing him. He was the power forward. He was never the best player but thought he was. He was the promoter. But to your point, up until they start winning, he's not getting winning promotions like he just does everything badly that's like kind of the bits like you're right I don't know how he doesn't see it coming but I think it's funny that he's so bad at all the stuff he's got a lot of that Steve Carell from the office in him where it's like yes he's the boss or like Ava from Abbott Elementary like he's kind of a figurehead we kind of let him amuse us mm -hmm. even in like the the part where coffee black Andre Benjamin says hey we're going to let him coach now. Like it, it was not a discussion. It was like, <laughs> this is what's happening. And like, you're going to play along in Correct. this land now. Yeah. I thought he would have been a better, like in a, like a real life sense in here. He'd have been better if the, he, if he had just focused on all the promotions and left the basketball to the basketball people here, like that scene where they go, Hey, we love for him to be the coach. Like, why are you fighting it so hard? You've never, you're not the basketball guy. You're the fun, get people in the stands, be the wild and crazy guy. And then part time on the side, I'll go out here and I'll give you 12 minutes. I think he even said that to Monix when in that yeah. first game. Monix was like, are we going to talk about the game? And he's like, I'm really just a motivator. And that was another good, really good line. He's like, I'm like that nun over in India. Where yeah. He just like combines the two. He combines both Teresa yeah. and God. Like, and that's wow. the scene where in the locker room, he's like, all right, we got some good punches in. Here's what I want to keep doing. Are we going to talk about the game at all? No. No, we're not. <laughs> no, no, they never talked about the game. I think, by the way, to your real life point about him, though, we all know owners in real life sports who, if they could do it, would make themselves the coach GM. They would do the whole. You're telling me if Jerry Jones, you're telling me Jerry Jones 10 years ago didn't think he was better than Jimmy Johnson? No way. He would have done it if he could have. That was one of my first notes I wrote down because Jackie, in like the opening scene, he introduces the team as like the, for them to run out the tunnel and then he gives his own run out the tunnel. Like all owners secretly want to run <laughs> yeah, out no, the they tunnel. They really want to do it. I'm going to be the guy banging the drum today. No, I'm not, we're not going to have a celebrity. We let, we let a celebrity do it for 18 other games. I'm going to be the one this that bangs the drum. game. Uh, we've picked me. Yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm going to bang the drum. Andre 3000 gets traded to the Spurs, tries to have a heart-to-heart -heart with Woody Harrelson, who just wants to drink his Heineken in peace. This is now good scene. 
Will Ferrell, Andre 3000, having that heart-to-heart, he gets traded. Next thing we know, Will Ferrell's in the trash can eating pancakes. That, to me, that perfectly sums up the movie. There was a really good movie that got you to feel something. All right, now we have to, Will Ferrell has to do a funny here. Now he's in the trash can eating pancakes. That that little five minutes right there defines this movie. That me. is my cuttable scene. I think if you went straight from Monix talk, not talking to Coffee Black, you get the announcement of the trade with his you know mom being like you're going to the NBA and then you go straight to like the team meeting where he's like guys I let you down da, da, da. if you do that like linearly and you cut out the trash can pancake scene where the whole point is just to prove that he's sad we know he's sad like we don't have to be shown he's sad that's my cuttable scene I feel like you cut out the pancake thing you go straight from coffee black that team meeting at the club about hey we're gonna still do this fourth place thing it's the mega bowl I think it's a better movie without the pancake scene I agree with you on that I think they were trying to either establish or escalate the relationship between the mm-hmm. two of Monix and Will Ferrell's character but really there was no investment from us at that point Correct. in time they had handed off the coach duty not that there was ever any like tension between them two even after that happened like we weren't really bought into that it was just kind of will ferrell being mm-hmm. look at me funny guy the flint michigan mega bowl would you have gone to the mega bowl it looked lit in there i'm definitely on the mega bowl i mean i think we all follow sports i mean outside the chiefs that are winning the super bowl and continue to look like a champion. I think we all go to games. You're like, yeah, my team might not win and there's nothing real on the line here, but I'm still going to go because it's fun and it's a good crowd. And it's lit. I think college football locally is that. I mean, K-State won the Big 12 this year, but you're telling me you went to Mizzou, Tennessee thinking this is a big deal. No, it's just, it's just a regular season game. That's the mega bowl. It's, hey, we created a thing that means nothing, but it's lit for the fans. So the enjoy last it. game for that franchise too, ever. Really. Yeah. I mean, like it was there. This was the last Flint Tropics game happening in that context in the ABA. Like, yeah, the Michigan Mega Bowl. This is where I think uh, Jason Sudeikis shows up. Ed Helms. Ed Helms yeah. is the reporter. Yeah, there, there were a lot of, uh, oh, hey, I recognize that guy. Yeah. There was a lot of those in these movies, like Sudeikis has eaten the nachos. Yeah. Like, oh, I remember him. He was uh, that's Jason Sudeikis. Uh, the Tropics getting smoked in this. Not really much of a surprise. Their best player is now playing for the Spurs. Jackie gets a tough playoff foul here, nearly dies. One of my favorite lines in the movie when they pick Jackie up and they say that they're doing nothing to stabilize his spine. That is, I was dying laughing. Just doing an awful job. <laughs> when like you pick him up and he's like just flopping everywhere. I thought that was one of the funnier lines in the movie. So Jackie's knocked out. Andre 3000 quits the Spurs. I don't know if you can then be on the Spurs at the in the first half and then on the Tropics in the second half. I wrote half. a note on that. And yeah, that I don't know if you can do that. A player changing teams at halftime is equivalent to like a fan being picked out of the stands <laughs> yeah. in a movie. Like that is pretty much never going to Yeah, he just switches teams <laughs> in the middle of the game and then Patty LaBelle just shows up randomly. Like you want to talk about one of the most random things that ever happens in a movie. He just completely knocked out. I think they're going to do the smelling salts like Varsity Blues and just wake him up out of nowhere. Nope. Patty's pies. Patty LaBelle's his mom, too, his mom. which is the yeah. funniest. We never got that explanation. They, we never that's got why that. I love it. They never explain. They're never like, by the way, how are you? It's like, hey, mom, it's Patty LaBelle. You're like, wait, what? I would love to know the pitch of how they convinced Patty LaBelle, A, to be in that movie and for the role that she was in. Who made the phone call? Who had the idea to get Patty LaBelle in there? It doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. Time and money. We can get it done in a day, and we'll pay you this. That was that was a one. Sh- you yeah. can get that shoot down in one day. That was a green screen shot. <laughs> yeah. Show up, wear white, stand on the green screen, and talk about the alley oop. That's all. And actually, she didn't even mention that. She says, "I got to play for you." And then the scene goes to them in the locker room trying to wake him up. So like. Very easy one day shoot. You get some of this money. Congratulations. Yeah, I just want to know when you call Patty LaBelle's people and you say, hey, we're working on a Will Ferrell comedy about the ABA. And we would love for Will Ferrell's mom to be your client, Patty LaBelle. I just want to know how that conversation goes. I, I'm just, I'm very curious to know how I they convinced her I actually think it, it went pretty easy because you mentioned earlier at the beginning of the podcast, this is when he's in the peak of his powers. Mm-hmm. He had Talladega Nights. He had Step Brothers. He's he hot. Was, he was pumping out and... All these movies had small-time cameos. I think about every film he's done. They have a small-time cameo that people reference and like. If you're that hot, you can then be like, hey, we're going to have you do the one scene similar to the Anchorman fight scene where everyone's like, oh, man, it's Ben Stiller. And people remember that scene. I think that's how you pitch it. Hey, we need you for one day. We need you for four hours. People will remember this one scene you're in. Cameo a palooza. Patti LaBelle then invents the alley-oop that you just alluded to. I had a dream. I had a dream I was in heaven. 
And my mother spoke to me. She was wearing this flowing white gown, and she showed me a brand new way to score a basket. She called it the alley-oop. She spoke to me, and she said, with this gift, you will win fourth place. Who's your favorite alley-oop combo of all time? It's a great question. I did write down in my notes before avoiding your question. I'll just say that the slam dunk used to be legal. I think they kind of tried to work that in and say, mm-hmm. hey, uh, this was a new play, and they figured it out on the fly because Father Pat, who was another great character, who had a mm-hmm. lot of great one-liners you say, that we haven't given a lot of love You mentioned your to. quote of the movie. My, fa- my quote of the movie is when the first thing that you comes, he blows whistle and goes, foul. <laughs> no, no, two fouls. <laughs> and they're like, well, it, my, Jackie runs over, and he's, uh, you know, peak Jackie. And then Monix is like, wait, it can't be a foul. And he goes, Jackie, people can't just fly through the air like that. It's got to be something. That is my line of the movie. Uh, favorite alley oop connection of all time, though. I mean, is it? I mean, is it lazy to say Kobe to Shaq? No, that's no, that's one of your favorite. I mean, stay in L.A. Jamal Crawford to Blake Griffin. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I, I, I'm gonna go Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan. Lob City, that, Lob City they era. had that three year run there where you would just watch the Clippers just to see them throw alley oops and finish with the four seed. That yeah. was. <laughs> Doc Rivers at his finest. That wasn't right. I don't know why. I don't know why. Take Doc, Doc Rivers had to catch a stray in this. I mean, the Sixers are meddling. And it's Doc's fault. <laughs> Can you imagine watching basketball without slam dunks or alley oops? Though like, I was wondering why they only like, had one guy is, that could do it. That's that what I was wondering. Sl- like layup, pure layups, and like <laughs> fast break. Shit is laying it up. Did they have the three point line? I don't know. Yeah, how they yeah, accurate yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah, so, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I mean, they had it in the movie. You're right. I don't know about the accuracy of it. I presume they had it in real life. I think the ABA actually invented the three point line. That was one of the things that came over in the murder. Yeah, then the NBA picked it up like, hey, this is actually a really good idea. They were dunking during this time. You're telling me the ABA with Dr. J, they they invented the dunk contest. The ABA was dunking during this point. Now, maybe nobody was throwing the lob during this. Like, it was like, whoa, hold on, we can do that? Like, this guy could just run and catch it and do that? That probably was like a wow. I would love to see the first recorded alley-oop just to hear what the announcer said. Like, what did they call the play then? Pepperfield was lost. A a consummate professional. He was like, he forced it down in a a downward direction. I'm being told now it's called the alley-oop. Yes, that is easier to say. <laughs> who takes longer to shoot a free throw, Giannis or Jackie, or Jackie Moon? Moon? Oh, Jackie Moon. Who ha- takes longer? Have you shot a granny? Have any of y'all shot granny style? No. Joking around. It's never hard. It's been a long, long. Like, as a kid, you'd easy. mess around. That's difficult. That's, I mean, 100% harder than doing it the mm. old-fashioned way. I mean, that was, I mean, that was probably... That was probably very in vogue in the time, though. That was around Rick Barry. Rick Barry would always do yeah, it. Rick Barry was probably the only person shooting granny style, though. Mm. He took about 35 seconds to shoot a free throw, though. The he, did the, he did the double kiss. Mm. He did the motion. Yeah, the, he takes longer to shoot free throws than Giannis. I did think it was funny when Monk's like, what the hell are you doing, Jackie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he went up there. And then Andre 3000 was like, yo, let him shoot. Let him shoot. <laughs> that was the first time we saw him do free throws the entire... It's the first time we've seen him doing basketball thing in the entire movie. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. There wasn't a whole lot of basketball in the movie. They Finally got Other than that travel he had in St. Louis that led to the ejection, he never did basketball the entire movie. Yeah, no, they didn't have a whole lot of basketball uh, in this movie. Uh, Ed Monix has a lane violation, clearly moves way too early in this to get the putback. Flint Tropics win the game. They don't go to the NBA, but they get fourth place. Ed Monix gets to girl. The end. And the bear attacks the unsuspecting crowd the bear then does make an appearance the bear attacks people that guy gets his not ten thousand dollars he gets like 28 percent yeah he gets 28 percent of the money that they owe him but everybody's happy i think one of the funniest parts of like that going away scene and like the bears are coming like the cops flip their own cop yeah. car <laughs> i'm like cops damaging property like that is a tale as old as time actually when you when you walk out when they walk outside and it's like the in the celebration it was really funny because like we've all heard stories about like you know kentucky wins national title burn couches you walk outside and it's just pandemonium i thought that was really funny fourth place, fourth <laughs> fourth place. Fourth place. Yeah, the, the mega bowl <laughs> this is where i was happy that they paid off on both of the things because i was wondering when the bear leaves after the whole bear scene I'm wondering, like, hold on, this bear is just roaming and they're never going to address that a bear is just running the mm-hmm. streets of Flint, Michigan. The bear then comes back. He owed the guy $10,000. He then holds the sign and says, I just want my money. They had that little meeting where he says, mm-hmm. give me my check, give me my check. He's like, well, you went to the wrong bank. Mm-hmm. Then they finally paid that off. I did think that the movie did a good job in setting things up in the first act of the movie mm-hmm. and eventually and panning it off in the third act of the movie. I had forgotten that. He was like, well, have you tried a big bank? It's a big check. <laughs> 
Reviews. Rotten Tomatoes gives the film a 22%. The site's critical consensus reads, Semi-Pro is an intermittently funny, half-hearted attempt at sports satire and one of Will Ferrell's weaker cinematic efforts. I think the sports satire is where you have to digest this movie at. Yes, it's dumb, it's stupid, there's dick jokes, everybody's plowing Pepperfield's wife, whatever, whatever. But, like, at its core, the montages and, like, it, it makes fun of the the typical tropes that we mm. see. Washed-up journeyman player comes back and becomes a coach. Like, it's got all of those plus all the classic movies. And it has stuff. elements of sports movies we all love. They're, like, cult classics, kind of like I mentioned, like, the Crash Day stuff. And they work them in as a funny bit. So it's not his best movie. My last fun fact Will Ferrell announced at the end of this movie when he was doing like the promotional tour, it is his last sports movie ever. He has not gone back to the sports sphere since Semi Pro. He made three of them though. He got three out. He got three out. He did. Yeah, he got three Talladega Nights, Blades of Glory, and this one. But he's like, now yeah, I'm done now. I'm done with the sports genre. This is the weaker of his three sports movies. I was gonna say this is the stronger. I've never seen. I don't wow. like Blades, never of, Glory seen Blades of Glory. Yeah, I like I like Talladega Nights. I, I think Talladega Nights Talladega, is the best yeah. one of the three. I like Blades of Glory more than I liked. More than I like semi pro. I, I would rewatch Blades of Glory before this one. It's provocative, gets the people going. I think you only like that scene though because it got sampled in that Kanye and Jay Z song. <laughs> no, I and actually, the scene itself is whatever. No, it's kind of forgettable. I actually like where he, they try to. I can't remember the name of the move, but the move where oh, the Iron do, Lotus. Yeah, if you do it, you can almost cut your the neck off. I like it. I like the scene where they're chasing him through the little Olympic Village thing. Yeah, I, I like Blades of Glory. I think Blades of Glory is funny. The supporting actors in this. I also like his character more in Blades of Glory than I like his character more in this. I one. think the fact that it was so, you talked about this, about this earlier, the Halloween aspect of mm. it. Like, I've seen so many Jackie Moon, Coffee Black, people mm. do all five. You get the frat jerseys for intramural. Like, mm-hmm. this, it gives it a whole different life and breath, and that's what I would rank it above mm. Matt Seitz of the New York Times says semi-pro finds a sweet spot between sports melodrama and parody and hammers it for 90 diverting minutes. I think if you were a fan of the movie, like I, I, I quote a lot. It's kind of how I view. They took, like you said, all those fun tropes and they just made fun of them, but they didn't do it for so long where you're like, all right, come on, we're done here. It was 90 minutes of we made fun of sports movies. We did some jokes and we're out of here. That That's like they hit that sweet spot. I would also say it was an original idea, so to speak. Like we hadn't seen we haven't seen anything quite like this since. And at, to the time, it wasn't like, oh, they're just remaking Yes, it was a satire. Yes, it was critical of those tropes, but it, it did it in its own unique way and had its own fresh kind of feel to it. Peter Travers of Rolling Stones writes, when the script by Scott Armstrong shoots an airball, Will Ferrell slam dunks it. You hated it, though. You hated Will Ferrell having to do that. I, I did not. I don't think he slam dunked it a lot in this movie. I actually think it's unfair. I, I thought the script was funny. I think there are a bunch of one-liners and bits in there where if you think, and we just saw it, if you mentioned me, like, that was a really funny scene. Like, the airball by the writing seems like a like a, too harsh to me. Like, I actually think the opposite of what that review was. I think the writing is funny and Will Ferrell's too much at times, not the inverse. I agree. I think the writing was strong. To me, where it really fell flat was, and this is just kind of knick-knacky, but like, kind of the dressing around it, like they're in St. Louis and the hockey glass is still around the court or like mm-hmm. when they're doing the dancing scene with the tropics and everybody's got their costumes on, like you clearly see the lower bowl and where they like CGI the rest of the court and like <laughs> it just felt like it felt cheap, the 55 yeah. million or whatever you spent. But I mean like that, it, that's what it was. It was a comedy. I don't think Will Ferrell gave me anything that I wasn't expecting from Will Ferrell. No, he was clicking on 90 minutes of yeah, Will Ferrell. He was I got everything I, I was wanting. For. He was 100% Will Ferrell. It was almost like they were like, hey, every eight minutes, Will Ferrell needs to do something. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what it was like. It was like, all right, we'll try to give you a movie, and now we need to give you, like, you came to the movie theater, you bought a ticket to see Will Ferrell do his thing, you were going to get Will Ferrell doing his thing. And, like, I think you made the point earlier, Will Ferrell is an acquired taste. It really depends on, like, if the jokes hit for you or not. Like, Talladega Nights, the jokes hit for me. Like, mm-hmm. the crepes and all of those things, like, are funny to me. More of the jokes hit for me in Blades of Glory than I think just hit for me in this would. But, like, yeah, like, he, he, he's really hit or miss. Like, I don't like Elf because the jokes in Elf just don't really do it That's for me. Fair. Like, he, you are really on the middle about a Will Ferrell move. You either like the movie or you don't like it. I think they also, like, it, it was more comedy in those other ones. This one was more, they tried a little bit more storyline and a little mm-hmm. bit, the writing a little bit more. Same in Elf. It wasn't just a pure Will Ferrell movie. It was like, hey, we're going to do a Christmas movie that's a comedy that has Will Ferrell in it, but it's going to have some other tropes mm-hmm. related to Christmas. This w- followed along those lines more so. All right, last review I'll read for you guys. This is The Village Voice. I've never heard of that website before. Robert Walensky, he gave the film two stars out of four. 
and he wrote that the director valiantly tries to tweak the formula by adding a dash more sincerity and humanity to the froth, but doesn't get too adventurous. In the end, it's comedy comfort food, something powdered poured from a box. Kind of reminds me of your point about Elf, though. Like, Elf has that comedy, and that they also, they nail, nail the sincerity in Elf a lot better. It's also a Christmas movie, so, like, it hits on the nostalgia things. Yeah. This one gives you a dash, a sprinkling, a seasoning of sincerity with, like, Monix and, like, the love interest, da-da-da. It is, though, to that guy's point, not super well done, but it's more than like a Blades of Glory. It's more than a Talladega Nights, which is just comedy on comedy on comedy. This one does have a dash of like, you know, sincerity. I agree. I don't think it really dove into it. Like where I maybe like where I was saying, like, I think the movie's better without Jackie Moon in there. Like, I think there's like a really, really good story there. And mm-hmm. Will Ferrell at every single turn takes you away from the really good story that plays defense what, on that. On yeah, that a lot. Story. That's what Elf is though, and you don't like Elf, so I can see like Elf's really good like family dynamic story, and then Will Ferrell's like this goofy Elf, and it hits like for most people, and doesn't hit for you. This is not as good as Elf. I'm not saying that, but there is an Elf element to it, and the fact that there's a good story behind Will Ferrell, you just have to really like focus on the story and let Will Ferrell kind of come out of your purview. Will Ferrell's like a Russell Westbrook, like you can win with him, but you have to win this one specific way yeah. that's the only way he plays ball right like he only has one speed and he only knows that one speed and either you like him and love him and people rave about Westbrook or, or you don't that's fair let's give out our awards give the Oscar to somebody you give out one Oscar for this movie Aaron who are you giving it to <laughs> it goes to Coffee Black I wish we saw Andre Benjamin play roles like this more often I thought that he brought a very unique and like you talked about jealousy. I felt the jealousy. You talked about him wanting to switch sides. I could feel that on the bench when he was playing with the Spurs. That it didn't feel right. Uh, he was somebody that felt authentic and brought something very unique to the movie. I'm going to give my Oscar to Will Arnett. I thought Will Arnett was the funniest character in the movie. Will Arnett, the uh, not Pepperfield, the other the color commentator whose name has escaped me right now. I thought he was the absolute funniest part. The part where he's the drinking and the smoking I mentioned. The part where he's like, come on, Father Pat, you're better than that. The part where he's at the poker scene and they're like... He's like, when I was in Nam, they're like, you were not in Nam, and you were in Michigan with the National Guard. I thought Will Arnett was the funniest part of this movie as one of the announcers. He gets my Oscar. I'm actually giving my Oscar to the other one, giving it to Dick Pepperfield. I thought Dick Pepperfield was the funniest person in the movie. What chick wants to be with a guy sounding like a twig? Well, that's not true. I've heard a lot of women say that they actually prefer a small penis. Show me one gal who says that, and I'll show you a liar. I'll introduce you to Mrs. Pepperfield later on tonight. Oh, Jesus. Here we go. I thought he set the tone in the very beginning with the small dick joke. And I know women that like a small penis. You can ask me. It's like, I thought he set the tone for the entire movie. I thought when the, hey, let's go get some pussy when they were going back and forth. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really funny. Mm-hmm. I think Dick Pepperfield is the funniest person in the movie. I'm giving him a thumbs up. I'm giving him the Oscar. Really quick question before we give somebody a Razzie here. Why didn't Andre 3000 become LL Cool J? Like LL Cool J went from being, at one point, was maybe the greatest rapper in the world to a full-fledged, legitimate movie star. I feel like Three Stacks has only done like a handful of movies. He did Rosewood, did Four Brothers, did this movie. Like, LL Kuja, we could name 15 movies. He's done rom-coms. He's been in Deep Blue Sea. He did Halloween. Like, LL Cool J became a legitimate movie star. I wonder why that didn't happen for Andre 3000. Even Ice T has this whole career yeah. in the rap, and like you Ice think Cube about has him. A career, yeah. yeah, maybe by choice because we know he was like grappling with a lot of things mentally and didn't want the spotlight and fell back. I don't know. Yeah, I think it was. I, that's what I was gonna say. I think it's a personal choice because yeah. like, we now know who Andre a little bit better just based on time and da da da. He clearly doesn't like the limelight, so obviously don't do more movies. You would get more limelight. Yeah, I just look at like he could have been ludicrous. He could have been Tyrese. Like, there's so many people that started in this space and then made the transition to do. I think these you have kind to go, want to be that person though. If you don't want Absolutely. to be that person, like if you want to, if you want to always be the sixth man of the year and not be a starter, you can make that role for yourself. I think that's kind of how Andre views his Tyrese life. will do anybody's movie. We know that for a fact. He will do your Tubi movie. He will do your Fast and the Furious. Tyrese will do your movie. A hundred percent. Uh, all right, let's give out a Razzie. Rob, you up first. Give out a Razzie for this movie. Uh, I'm going to give my Razzie to Andy Richter, the weird father, the son brother thing. <laughs> His whole storyline had like a moment or two where I laughed, but like generally speaking, did Jackie need an assistant that was kind of goofy and useless? Not really. And outside of the one scene where he gets attacked by the bear, no. Andy Richter gets the Razzie. 
I didn't like the love interest. She did all right. She was the toxic We're hating on the mom from Liar Liar? I mean, what do we know about her other than the fact that she lived in Flint this entire time and was in love with him? Like, she stayed in that same place. The mm-hmm. She was either at home or at the game. <laughs> no, we didn't see her doing anything else. I can't believe we're kicking the mom for Liar Liar. You know, I'm, I'm giving it to Will Ferrell here. I'm giving the Razzie to Will Ferrell. I knew I, that was coming. I yeah, legitimately think the movie would be better if Will Ferrell wasn't in the movie. I think it's I think it's better. I think if they expand on the other characters and eliminate the five or six diversion scenes from Jackie Moon that don't add to the story, I think the movie could have been better and the movie could have been funnier. I mean, I, if you're not a Will Ferrell person, I get why you'd cut Will Ferrell. I, you, you just enjoyed the other people better and... Th- there's nothing wrong with that. I think the other people were great in this movie, but I think you still need that central, like, I think we've made the elf comparison. I'm going to hammer it. I think you need the elf character to make the backdrop work better. Yeah. I mean, it's one of his timeless characters. I watched the clay video of him and Jackie Moon warming up a few mm-hmm. years ago. Like, even him as Jackie Moon just reaches so many people. I thought it was, I thought it was a win for Is this in his top three iconic characters? Because Ron Burgundy's probably one. Burgundy's yeah. one. I think it would be top three. Yeah. I definitely think it's in the top three. Elf's probably two. I think I think Elf's probably two for him. Yeah, probably Elf after Burgundy. We're putting Jackie Moon at three over Ricky Bobby, and it's not even just because he he did this great acting job, and no. we just like the it was a time like it, it just it was one it was a unique character that had a different feel, it had a different breath, and yes, it was Will Ferrell, but it was different Christmas wrapping on it. Basically. I mean, like I think also to your point about it, we see him with Clay, he, Clay's dressed up like him before. It it has life its own beyond that. Ricky Bobby might be a better character, a better movie person, but yeah. no one has made a callback to Ricky Bobby in pop culture since that movie came out. Jackie Moon's still relevant. If you say the Flint Tropics, people register that even though it's a totally made up thing. Yeah, this feels like one of those kind of cult classic movies that, you know, like back whenever we were all buying DVDs, like this was a DVD you were happy to have in your collection for a lot of people. Like You were happy to have semi-pro on DVD. Like there was that kind of a handful of comedies. Mm -hmm. It's always on television. It's always on Spike. It's always on FX. It's always on Comedy Central. This movie has like, I know it didn't do well at the box office, but this is a movie that has lasted, even though I don't think it's one of Will Ferrell's better efforts. Agree 100%. I think it has... It has a second life that I don't think anyone anticipated. Apple TV got two ninety nine from me for it, so <laughs> it's still making money. Uh, <laughs> cut one scene, Aaron. It's the dumpster scene or the the cuck scene. I don't know if either. Those are the two I can say. I, I would yeah. cut the dumpster one. The cuck one's a little too much for me too. <laughs> Yeah, I, we're all on the same page there. I don't know why we needed the pancake scene. Yeah. Like I just don't know why we needed like the movie. The movie would be better if we go from if we eliminate that scene and then just go straight to the team meeting. Yeah. So they then find out, hey, you know, the league doesn't want you guys. You're not going to do it. Then we go to the team meeting part of it. I, I think the yeah. movie is better. That's the one. That's the easy one thing to cut. The rating too high, too low, just right. Mm. Five point eight. Five point eight out of ten. Five point eight out of ten. Too low, too low, too high, or just right. That sounds right to me. Okay. I, I, I don't think that when I see five point eight out of ten. It's not something I need to have my attention on the whole time, too, which is another part of this movie. Like, yes, it was on. Yes, I watched it. I'd seen it so many times that I can run, go back, uh, pop a bag of popcorn and be all right and have it on in the background. Like, it grabbed my attention. I had some really moments where, like, I was laughing out loud. There were moments where I kind of chuckled to myself. Still, there were still some really chuggy scenes with, like, the fight and the bear thing mm-hmm. and the shooting. But overall, I knew what I signed up for, and it gave me pretty much my money's worth. I say it's too low, but that's because I feel like some of those like side characters have such quotable little moments that I still joke about to this day. Like the fact that Ted Lasso is so popular is one of the reasons why me and my friends quote that Jason Sudeikis line where he's like, "I'm a season ticket holder, I can do whatever the hell I want with the nachos." Like we joke about that all the time. People like, I mean, basically what Jason Sudeikis was with Potato Girl. That's essentially what he was then seen. It's the same concept. Like it's <laughs> really, girl. it's really the same. I'm gonna say it's a little too low. I think it's probably like a six four, six five. I don't think it's like Ooh. a seven. But I think it's a little yeah, too low. Yeah, I, I think this is about right for a lot of the same reasons that Aaron said. A, a five point six is about what I think this movie is like. I normally think on IMDb like six or higher is like a good movie. Like that's like a good movie. You get to like seven or higher, like you're pushing like a great movie eight or above like this is an all-time kind of movie i don't think it's a good movie i also don't think that it's bad like i think a 5.1 is in that like this movie is unwatchable i don't think that it's that like we will probably watch some movies in this podcast that are like this movie was absolutely terrible i don't i don't think the semi-pro is terrible i don't think i wouldn't consider it a good comedy and i think there's probably 
20, 25 comedies from this era that I find more funny, more enjoyable than this. I'll say this real quick. I looked it up real fast. Blades of Glory got a 6.3. I think if this got a 6.3, I would be happy with that. So that's why I have it a little too low. But you just like Blades of Glory more. Yeah, I like Blades of Glory more. So I actually think that's fair. Because, like, I'd be curious to see what Talladega Nights got. I'll pull that up real quick. Yeah, because I think... Talladega Nights is the best out of these three. Mm-hmm. Blades of Glory is second. I would have semi-pro three. I wonder if IMDb has it the same way. It's aging well. I, I wonder if that is that rating a moving, breathing target, or was that something that It actually, that was Talladega Nights the- was a 6.6. So, yeah, that, yeah okay. so it's in line with how I, I would have I would have flipped Blades of Glory and semi-pro, but I, I think it's all kind of in that same 5 to 6 to 6 to 6 range. Yeah, I actually did think the movie aged pretty well, other than the retarded line and like the early part of yeah. the movie. Yeah. Like, there isn't anything that like, oh, well, there's no way you could make this joke today. And like, that's honestly kind of impressive, given all the, I mean, this was 08. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're, we're, we've kind of sped up kind of how we are in comedies, and you could not... I'm not saying you couldn't make this movie today because you could. I you think could. I, yeah. I, I think Most you could make this movie play. today. That's the only line I think you'd have to change. I don't think yeah. you could use that word in a today comedy. But outside of that, I think every other joke you could very easily yeah. make in this mm-hmm. movie. I don't know if you would use a real bear. I don't know if I don't yeah. know if you not would after use, not given yeah, what we know, know now. Yeah, I, I, don't I don't think they would now. use a real bear anymore either. No, <laughs> I also don't think this movie would cost as much today either. Like I think that was mm-hmm. like during 08. Like if you made this movie in 2023 where you tried to remake it you probably make this movie for like $27 million. Mm-hmm. You know, like, well, during that time where budget's like, you're thinking of Will Ferrell, he's in the height of his run. Yeah. You're thinking you're going to make $100, $110 million. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if the word or mouth was super strong on this movie. That's probably fair. That, like, gets you to the, yo, this is a Step Brothers, this is a smash comedy. I wouldn't consider this to be one of those smash movies. No, I wouldn't smash. I, I think it's a strong sports comedy, but, I mean, we just differ because you like Blades of Glory more. All right, this is episode one of the Bad Movies, Worst Opinions podcast, where we believe that everybody has a favorite bad movie. This is where I tell you to do all that uh, podcast stuff. Like, subscribe, share with your friends. This is episode one. Mm -hmm. Every Tuesday, we'll be dropping a new movie. Next week, I can tell people because we have a list. Mm -hmm. Next week, Spring Breakers Mm -hmm. is going to be our movie. (laughs) Terrible movie. (laughs) That movie is worse than semi-pro. Spring Breakers (laughs) is going to be our movie next week on the uh, Bad Movies, Worst Opinions podcast. Aaron Ladd, promote whatever you're doing. I don't know what you got going on. You You have more things going on than me. Um, I'm always on KSHP 41. Check me out. I'm going to be a panelist on Sunday Sound Off. Oh, not hosting, but a panelist. I'll be a panelist, so I have some hot takes there. Um, Always can be read on arrowheadpride.com. All right. You got to come back and do another movie with us, man. Let's do it.